stand together at this time. We're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol and brother of Aner. And they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And may God bless the reading of his word today is my prayer. You may be seated. We're looking at a series of messages we call Abraham the father of all who believe. And uh, last week we started looking at how Abram was walking in victory. Uh, That victory, of course, was set against the time of defeat that he had experienced as his situation in the promised land did not match the revelation that God had given him. God had promised that... He was going to be blessed, that he was going to make him a blessing, that uh, the land would be his, and and that he was going to uh, have so many children that they couldn't be numbered, they said, that a great nation would rise out of him. And yet, none of those things were happening. And even worse, there was a famine in the promised land. So he ended up going down to Egypt, but he came back to Bethel, back to the house of God. And I say it again as we have several times, never underestimate the power that comes into a person's life when they realize that they need to get back in the house of God, back in church, back in a place of worshiping and serving and honoring God as God intended for us to do. And he did that, of course, and he got that fresh revelation then from God as God met with him once and then again uh, to confirm and affirm those promises of blessings uh, that were coming to him. Now he's walking in victory. We remember that faith is the victory. We saw uh, when last we gathered together how that worked out in his own personal world. There was a conflict between himself and, and Lot and it was family trouble and No trouble like trouble at home. We saw then how God worked through Abraham's faith to bring that victory into his personal life. And today we see how that victory spreads out uh, into the world. You see, as much as we'd like to kind of live our lives and be isolated, and and we do our best, Uh, there was a time when uh, it seemed like we all had a front porch and maybe we spend a lot more time visiting than we do these days but most of us uh, either barely remember that time some of you have never really experienced that time and uh, now instead we see people sitting around at the table texting and (laughs) playing on their phones we're losing the ability somehow to communicate personally and for all of our uh, uh, connectivity it seems like we're losing the ability uh, to really Uh, have close relationships with others. We can lament it all we want. It's just the way it is. We don't live our lives, though, in isolation. Our lives of faith are put on display before a watching world. And we see that in our text today as Abraham begins to experience and deal with the consequences of what happened when the Bible says Lot chose for himself. 
Lot chose to live near Sodom, but of course he didn't stay in Sodom very long or, or near to Sodom. Verse 12, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom, close to it. <laughs> but then verse 12 of chapter 14, then also Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, dwelt in Sodom. Now leaving the country and living in a tent, to live in a city might not seem like such a big deal until you realize that Genesis 13, 13 says that the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly, exceedingly. Lot was not ignorant or unaware of the decadence that was there in Sodom. Neither was he immune to it. Whether he realized it or not, the cities of the plain were having a profound effect on him and on his family. Simon Peter describes that for us in 2 Peter chapter 2 when he said that God delivered righteous Lot. <coughs> excuse me, he was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So the soul of Lot was tormented, tortured by what he was watching, what he was listening to. It was having an effect on him. It was having an effect on his wife, having an effect on his children. And in a few weeks, we're going to see the sad end of that story. But for now, we see in our text today that Unaware, Lot was unaware that there were powerful forces at work. And by making that decision, choosing for himself, he put himself and his family in harm's way of what was about to happen. There's no way for him to know when he chose for himself. But the passage tells us that there were powerful kings from the east. And they would come against them from a land we know today as Pakistan. They were sweeping across the world like a flood. And the cities of the Jordan Valley, including Sodom, were subjugated to those foreign kings and paid tribute to them for 12 years. After that, they revolted against the Eastern Alliance. And in the 14th year then, there was war in the valley. Now, if we were able to look at the numbers that were involved, we might today just refer to this as a tribal skirmish. It wasn't like uh, massive, huge numbers of armies were bringing together. It wasn't like tanks and, and the things that we've seen when we think of war. It wasn't like that. Skirmishes, more like. Small battles, for the most part. And yet, uh, considering the population of the planet at that time and, and the population of the area, these were, were huge things to them. Twelve years. They'd paid tribute. Now it has escalated into war. We're not given much detail in the passage about how this played out. Uh, the kings came against them. They, they planned to fight in the valley of Siddim near the asphalt pits that were there at the time. Uh, no doubt in the blowing winds of the desert, those asphalt pits would be covered up with sand. They planned to use those to ambush the invading armies. Instead, the kings of the cities of the plains, Sodom and the other cities, fell into those pits themselves. And they suffered a terrible defeat. The whole cities were looted. People were carried away and captive. Take a long look now at Lot and his family who chose for himself. He was a wealthy man when he went down to Sodom. 
He had a powerful family, great possessions. Now he's lost it all. Now he's a captive. His family is a captive. Now he's in bondage. And the worst part about it is that Lot was powerless to do anything to protect his family or to deliver them out of the problems they were experiencing. He himself, you see, was a victim. But something happened. In our text, verse 13, Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre and the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and the brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abraham. Abraham, meanwhile, <laughs> has found him another grove of trees. He's living in an oasis up on the mountains, down in the valley in the cities of the plain. Oh, there's such turmoil. War is happening. But there's Abraham living in victory, enjoying the blessings of God. Here these people come to him to tell him what's happened. What's happened to his brother's son, Lot? What's happened to his family? So what do we see then about the victory of, of faith? Is Abraham, who might have been perfectly content to have just minded his own business and stayed up there and enjoyed living in the oasis, worshiping God, serving God. But you know, the world doesn't leave us alone, does it? The enemy has a remarkable way of bringing the battle to us whether we want it or not. And that's exactly what we'll see play out today. And that's the first thing that we'll talk about. How that these troubled people came to Abraham seeking him out. One who had escaped from the cities of the plain came and told Abram the Hebrew. There were probably armies in the land, kings certainly besides these. Men of war. But they sought out the man of faith. When their world had collapsed and their lives were on the line, they came running to a man of God. Now, if I had my druthers, a lot of times, I'm sure that if you had your druthers, we would sit out of these kinds of conflicts, this war of the worlds, a cosmic conflict going on between light and darkness. But Abraham wasn't able to do that because he had loved ones who were caught up in the battle. People we love, you see, are going to be constantly drawn into the fray and constantly begin then to live out the effects of what happens when they choose for themselves, when they choose the world, when they live in the world. And no doubt I could point all around this room this morning and all of us have somebody that we love that right now they're in a fight for their very life. Right now, you're praying for them. Right now, you're burdened for them. The enemy has taken them. They're suffering. Their family is suffering. You want to see them delivered. Oh, how many times you've talked to them, prayed for them. People we love, you see, are constantly drawn into the fray to become casualties in this cosmic conflict or prisoners of war. You see, that's why it's so important for us as God's people to live in victory. We want to be that man. We want to be that woman. We want to be that student that has a reputation for being a man of faith, for being a man of God, a woman of God, a person who is experiencing God's victory in their life so that when somebody goes down on the field of battle, they'll know who to come to. 
Somebody who knows God. Somebody who knows how to bring God's victory into the life. I came to Abraham then because they believed that he could help. And maybe that's just somewhat instinctive for people to just seek out God's people as being somebody who can help, who would be willing to help. They might have made fun of Abraham from time to time, worshiping at that altar, and it didn't even have a graven image on it. Well, look at that guy. What kind of altar is that? What are you worshiping? There's nothing there. But but who did they run to when the chips were down? It was old Abraham. Man of God, man of faith, a man who knew about God's victory. But also I think that Abraham was approachable. Maybe it was because he himself knew what it was like to, to mess up. Maybe it was because he had spent so much time down in Ur living there among them. And he understood so very well what they all were going through. But whatever, obviously Abraham had that reputation of being a person of compassion. Somebody who's approachable. One of the most terrible things that the enemy has done to God's people, and maybe in some way we've done this to ourselves, that the enemy just loves to convince people in the world that Christian people hate them. Christian people will condemn you. Christian people don't want to do anything for you. Oh, don't go up there. They'll make fun of you. Don't go up to that church. They'll laugh at you. Listen, nothing is further from the truth. You look around this building today and what you see is a lot of sinners who are saved by the grace of God. All of us have felt the bitter sting of defeat. All of us knows what it's like to stumble. All of us have seen these things played out. We don't condemn you. We love you. We want to help you. And that's exactly the kind of spirit that we need to project into our world. To be like Abraham. To be that person not that you run from that you run to when you live in victory then troubled people seek you out second thing we see play out then in Abraham's life of victory before the world is that God had prepared him before he ever knew there was a battle coming you see he was living there in the land of Hebron he had made friends with Mamre and Eshcol and Aner those three brothers and I'm not sure how all that happened because, of course, the Amorites were not believers, not at all. And yet they had interacted with Abraham enough that they had already formed alliances, strong friendships. To the point that when Abraham was going into battle, here were these people who were ready to go with him. We'd call these men sheiks, perhaps, chieftains, maybe. They combined their resources with the resources of Abraham and they were ready to go and fight. We know that he had 318 trained servants. But they had weapons and they were able then to, to carry on those, uh, this battle so that long before the battle descended, they were ready to fight it. God had brought them then the resources that they needed. God had worked and prepared them for what was to come. They weren't facing difficult odds. They were facing impossible odds. 318 men. If his Amorite brothers had about as many men as he did, that might mean they could muster a thousand men to go against one of the most powerful armies in the world at that time. 
But you know, God had them ready to go. God had them prepared. And living in victory then in many ways means that God gets us ready before the battle comes. Sometimes when you're sitting in church on Sunday morning, you might wonder, well, you know why are we studying about Abraham and learning about living by faith? But how many times over the course of your life have you heard something, learned something, studied something, and then find yourself out the next week, and there behold, I had exactly what I needed. Exactly that situation that I was thinking about, and God had prepared you for it beforehand. That's the way He works. As He builds on our faith and develops our faith, encourages us, helps us to grow stronger, all of these things are preparing us for battle. We don't know as God's people when the battle will come. <clears throat> we don't know when it's going to be one of our kids. We don't know when it's going to be our neighbor down the street. We don't know when it might be a brother or sister who falls on the field of battle, who comes running to us because they need help. We don't know, but God does. God knows. He's working always to prepare us. That's what it means to live in victory. Is that God prepares us before the battle begins. I'm glad we don't have a story here of Abraham hearing about this and saying, well, man, what are we going to do? I guess I need to run down and see if I can round up some spears and weapons and maybe get my guys all trained. and Maybe a year or two down the line I might be able to do something. No. He responded immediately because the resources were already there. And oh, how we as men and women of faith today need to be those people who have those resources in our heart ready to respond when the task presents itself. Lastly, then the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. As they began to move forward, we see that Abraham pursued these armies. He divided his forces then against them by night. And he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods. And he brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. In keeping with the customs of the day, no doubt these soldiers were enjoying the fruits of their battle. They stopped. They'd captured women and food and wine and no doubt they were having a great party that night when Abram came up on them. He divided then the forces that he had available to them and in a daring night raid. But even with all that, so terribly outnumbered. Kind of reminds me of a time when God took an army, took their swords away from them, put pitchers in their hands and trumpets. Remember that story? Well, he continued to chase them through the night and into the morning until the invading army was totally demoralized and no longer a threat. Why? Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 4 perhaps says it best, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. This is the life of victory. We can defeat the enemy. We can restore by God's help 
the things that he has taken. And not only in our lives, but also in the lives of those who are important to us. The odds sometimes seem impossible. The battle seems to be stacked against us. But victory belongs to those who mightily believe in God. Faith is the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We see then this morning that God once again puts this life of victory, this victory of faith, in stark contrast to a life that was lived where a man chose for himself. Here was Abraham living in victory, able to respond against the forces of evil and deliver his family. God preparing Abraham before he ever knew it was time to fight. Facing impossible odds. But God provided the victory. Reminding us of the words of a shepherd king. Who once stood before a giant. In the valley of death. And said to him, 1 Samuel chapter 17. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. After experiencing that terrible time of defeat in Sodom, seeing the mighty victory then that God won through Abram, we might expect Lot to get out of Sodom. But he didn't. He went right back to it. In a few weeks we'll see the results of that decision. But we're talking this morning about how this victory plays out in the world that we live in. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And while you and I as the people of God walking in victory, serving Him, we might be living in an oasis. <laughs> it, uh, I don't get to live in an oasis very much. It, it, it just seems like that we don't have that bubble around us that protects us from all bad things. It, This is an evil world we live in. And our righteous soul, like that of Lot, is tormented, tortured by what we see, what we hear. Our hearts break as we see the effects of sin all around us. The people we love, the people we care about. Some of the toughest battles that we fight as believers is not the battle in our own life between what is good and what's bad. Most of the time, you leave me alone, people don't bother me. I can choose between what's good and what's bad. The toughest battles that we fight are for people we love. And sometimes, like Abraham, God will use us to rescue them one time, only to see them turn right back around and go right back 
into it again and again. The toughest battles, the longest battles, sometimes that we fight as believers, is out in the world with the people that we love and care about. But I want you to know this morning, this is the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And we don't know how God is preparing us and working in your life and working in my life right now for us to be a lifeline for somebody else. Somebody else that needs help. Somebody else that's in struggle. Somebody else. That student that you're praying for at school is just breaking your heart. And yet you know, you know that you might be that one person who has influence with them. That person you work with, that you've talked to again and again and again. You know, down deep in your heart, that you might be the one person that's able to make a difference in their life. Help us, God, to understand today that this life of faith is not just about me living in an oasis on the mountain and enjoying your victory. Man, I've got a good life, got a good family, got a good house, great place to live, got a good job, making good money. Oh, God, thank you for your blessings. But the life of faith is not just about us. Because sooner or later, the battle is going to come to your doorstep. And will you be that man or woman like Abraham with the resources already in place? I know just what to do. I know just how to deal with this. I'm ready to go. God help us to be those people. Let's stand together.